Well, pleasant Sabbath, Aruka. And it's so good to be back here in this church. I really enjoy being here. Both the last time I was here and also today, I've received a very special blessing by being with you. So thank you for allowing us to be here today. And before I get into the message for this morning, I would like to have a word of prayer and we will get into the message. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Sabbath day and I pray for a special blessing as we open up your word. May you fill our hearts with the Holy Spirit and please speak through me. May Christ be lifted up. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We serve an amazing God, amen? We have an incredible Savior. And as we come to the season of Christmas, our hearts and minds should be drawn to Christ again, amen? We think about Jesus coming as a tiny baby to this earth. And that is just an amazing concept that Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of this earth, would come to this one fallen planet to save each one of us. And when we think of who Jesus is, we can truly say, as Isaiah says, that Jesus truly is wonderful. He is wonderful to each one of us. Where would we be if Jesus wasn't wonderful to us? Jesus is our counselor. He's the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I am thankful today that I can present to you Jesus Christ. Jesus is the essence of the gospel. And you know, Ellen White has a very succinct statement where she says, hanging on the cross, Christ was the gospel. Do you believe that? When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross for each one of us, he was a living demonstration of the gospel. His life and his death demonstrates the gospel to each one of us. And today, I want to talk about Christ and Him crucified and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because did you realize that this gospel was not only demonstrated by Christ, but God wants us as His church to be a demonstration of the gospel. Do you believe that? We should be living demonstrations of the gospel. And I'm so glad to see the outreach program that you've had today, going out into the community to take Christ to those who don't know him. That's wonderful, and keep up the good work. Because we know in Matthew chapter 24, it says, for this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for what? A witness. And then the end shall come. You see, the gospel going to the world is not just a declaration of what the gospel is. It is a witness or a demonstration the way Christ was a demonstration on the cross. 
And God has called us as his church to be his witnesses to the world. And that means that here in Trinidad, we are to be Christ's witnesses to our country here. Amen? I want to read another quote. This is found from Manuscript Releases, Volume 21, page 404. And this gets into the heart of what we are talking about today. The church needs men today who, like Enoch, walk with God, revealing Christ to the world. Church members need to reach a higher standard. Amen? Heavenly messengers are waiting to communicate with men who have sunk self out of sight, whose lives are a fulfilling of the words, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Of such men and women must the church be composed before her light can shine forth to the world in clear, distinct rays. So in order for this gospel to go to the world as a witness, we need men and women who have self that has been moved out of sight. Men and women with whom heavenly messengers can communicate because self is not standing in the way. When the Holy Spirit comes to speak to our minds to say, this is the way, walk ye in it, our self will not be rising up to block the words of the Holy Spirit to our minds. And when we have men and women who live this way, the church can shine her light forth to the world in clear, distinct rays. So what is the condition? It is the condition of the passage found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And I invite you to turn with me again to this passage. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are to be crucified with Christ. Did you realize that Christ was crucified for us? What does the word crucify mean? If you look the word up in the Greek, it means to impale on the cross. And this was the most humiliating way for someone to die. And Jesus, who was king of kings, and Lord of Lords, creator of this earth, came down to this earth to save us, and we, his creation, rejected him. And we put him on the cross to humiliate him in the worst way possible that he could have died. 
Yet Jesus loved us so much that he was crucified for us. And when Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, the Greek also says that this means to have self or your passions extinguished in the same manner that Christ was impaled or crucified on the cross. You know what that means? In order for Christ to be revealed to the world through us, we need to learn how to allow our selfish nature to be crucified in the same way Christ unselfishly was crucified on the cross for us. Amen? We all have a tendency to selfishness. And you know it. We all have a tendency to be very selfish. We all look out for ourselves first by nature. That is what we think about first. What's best for me? What's in it for me? How can I help myself the best? That way of thinking needs to be crucified with Christ. And when we have such men and women that are composed in such a manner, the light of the church can shine forth to the world in clear, distinct rays. And you know what Ellen White's talking about there? That is the loud cry message when the angel of Revelation 18 comes down from heaven and the earth is lightened with its glory because the church has been crucified with Christ and we are reflecting the light of Christ's life in clear, distinct rays to the world around us. And that is the group of people that God is looking for in this church today. What will it take for us to be crucified with Christ? You know, this is the hardest thing in the Christian experience. It's so easy to mentally assent to the truth and say, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe it. But do you experience it so that when you see Christ on the cross, Christ comes into your heart so that you allow yourself to be crucified with Him? To be surrendered 100% to Him? You know, when Paul wrote this epistle to the church in Galatia, he was writing to a group of believers to whom he had already visited, and to whom he had already preached the gospel. But something had happened. A group of Judaizers, or Christians, who were telling Gentile Christian converts that you needed to observe Jewish custom in order to be saved, they had come to the church of Galatia and they were confusing the new believers about what the gospel really is. And so Paul was countering the work of these Judaizers. These Judaizers were saying, you know, in order to be saved, the way of salvation is through circumcision. And if you think about it, this is really a, an easy way out for salvation. 
Instead of surrender to Christ 100%, all you have to do is an outward action without any heart change. And that's what the Jewish Christians were teaching the new believers. And Paul says, no, don't believe this. And if you look at the book of Galatians in chapter 1, starting in verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. There are many today, even now, who are trying to pervert the pure gospel of Christ. But the gospel has never changed. It is the everlasting gospel that is part of the first angel's message that we as Seventh-day Adventists are to proclaim with a loud voice to a lost and dying world around us. Let us not allow anyone to pervert the everlasting gospel. And Paul continues with his exposition in chapter 2 where he shows that the brethren came to Jerusalem for what is known as the Jerusalem Council. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 15. And they come together to determine what is lawful for the Gentiles and what is not. And they all agreed that you don't have to keep the ceremonial law anymore. But what happened was the apostle Peter when the Judaizing Christians showed up to the council, he separated himself from the Gentiles so that he would observe the Jewish ceremonial law by not defiling himself with Gentiles. And in essence, he was perverting the gospel of Christ. And so Paul, in Galatians 2, talks about how he rebukes Peter for being a stumbling block to the true gospel. And that's what Galatians 2 is talking about. So that then you come to Galatians 2, verse 16, and Paul says, look, we are justified not by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. We aren't justified by keeping the law in our own strength, and we're not justified by keeping a ceremonial law that requires circumcision. And in Galatians 5 verse 6 he says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but faith which works by love and so Paul is now having to write an epistle to the Galatians to counter this false gospel that was coming in their midst to the point now where he gets to verse 20 which summarizes the gospel experience and he says I am crucified with Christ. Circumcision is not the gospel. You may think that an outward act of the flesh is the easy way out so that you don't have to surrender your life completely to Jesus Christ. But an outward act of the flesh does not take the place of full surrender of the heart to Christ. The only thing that suffices in the gospel of Christ is to be crucified with Christ. To be surrendered with Him 100%. Not 
Don't let anyone deceive you that there's any other way around the gospel. And there are people even today who teach other things that say we can still be saved in the gospel of Christ while we knowingly transgress the law of God. Scripture teaches that when we follow Christ, we are crucified with Him. <clears throat> so then Paul comes to chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? You know what Paul is saying? When I came and preached the gospel to you, I preached the gospel in such a powerful way that Christ was set before you, crucified before your eyes. You could see Jesus on the cross, crucified for you. How could you be bewitched? or be clouded to turn your mind away from that powerful experience when you saw Christ set before you on the cross, crucified for you as if you were the only sinner in all the world. Christ died for your sins because He loved you so much. How could you turn to another gospel that perverts the truth of Christ to say, you don't need to be crucified. You can just be circumcised. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And so I ask you, Aruka today, have you seen Christ evidently set forth before your eyes, crucified among you? Can you see Christ high and lifted up dying for the sins that you committed that put Him on the cross. Really, have you seen that? Have you experienced it? I'm not just talking about hearing the preacher say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. No, I'm talking about in your personal walk with God, in your study with Him, in your communion with Him, you see Christ looking at you in the eyes with His face full of love, saying, I love you so much that I'm on the cross dying for your sins. Have your, has your heart been melted by that love? Jesus, who loved you and gave Himself for you by being crucified for you, have you seen Him evidently set forth before you. Have you? You know, one thing my dad told me when I was growing up is that as Christians, we have to be careful about how we think about the cross. Because we can become so used to hearing about the cross being talked about that our minds can become numb when we hear about it. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Yep, I know that. We can never allow that to happen to us. It is so easy to allow our minds to become numb 
to Jesus' death on the cross for us. And yet that is the fulcrum of the ages, the pinnacle of all time, where Christ defeated the devil on our behalf so that we could receive salvation. We should never, ever allow that to become a common experience. But in order for us to be crucified with Christ, we must understand what Christ has done for us so that we can be crucified with Him. We need to understand that Jesus really does love me. Amen? As if I was the only person in the whole world. Jesus really gave Himself for me as if I was the only person in the whole world. <clears throat> you know, I think back to a moment in my life this would have been about 2004, about six years ago. How many of you have ever heard of Doug Batchelor? He's a preacher for Amazing Facts. Many of you have heard of him. He was doing a revival series that was being broadcast on 3ABN. And it was a message, I still remember it was the, the Tuesday night of that week. And he was preaching in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is not far from where I grew up, but by this time I was living in Loma Linda, California, and I was in my first year of residency as a physician. And I believe that at that point in my life I had had, I had made several key decisions to be a follower of Christ all the way. I was heavily involved in the Lord's work, but that night the Lord touched me in a real and powerful way. The message came, and it just pierced my heart like an arrow. Pastor Bachelor was able to lift up Christ in such a way that I was convicted of how essential purity of life is so important. You know, in order to be a Christian, we can't just come to church on Sabbath and then go out the rest of the week living like the world, watching things that we know are bad on television, listening to music that we know puts our mind in the gutter, dressing in such a way that is suggestive that would attract the people of the world rather than showing that we are children of God. And my, my mind and my heart were compelled as I saw Christ on the cross for me. And at the close of the message, a singer sang a song that's called Ever Interceding. And you may have heard the song, but I'm going to read the words. I won't sing it. You don't want to hear that. And this is speaking of what Christ is doing for us. And these are the words. Someone to go the extra mile, just like a mother caring for her child. A friend who sticks through thick and thin, no matter where you've been. Just like one great big family, a stronger older brother he will be. So quick and ready to defend the younger, weaker till the end. And he's ever interceding to the Father for his children. Yes, he's ever interceding to the Father for his own. Through him... You can reach the Father, so bring Him all your heavy burdens. Yes, for you He's interceding, so come boldly to the throne.
Do you see Jesus that way? Do you see him as your Savior on the cross and as your intercessor in heaven, as your high priest, ever interceding for you? And you know, I was brought to tears as I heard the message in that song. And you know the powerful thing that happened? My younger brother, who was a student at Southern Adventist University, had never really given his heart to the Lord. Yes, he had been baptized. But he called me on the phone about five minutes after that broadcast went off the air, and he was crying. And he said, Norman, I just gave my heart to the Lord. And I was in California, 2,000 miles away from where he was, where he was live at the meeting in Tennessee. And we both were reached by the same Spirit at the same time. And we saw Christ lifted up on the cross for us. And as we saw that, we said in our hearts and minds, I want to give everything in my life to Jesus Christ. And we've never turned back. And we've never regretted it. It's been a powerful moment in our experience because we see Jesus as someone who goes the extra mile for us. Someone who's always interceding for us. The one who died for us on the cross, even though in Gethsemane he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thine be done. Jesus is the one who has gone the extra mile. Behold him in Gethsemane. Behold him before the judgment of Pilate. Behold him on the cross. And behold him now in the heavenly sanctuary. Jesus is doing everything to save us. He loves us more than we could possibly imagine. How could we reject His love that is drawing us even now? He was crucified for us, and all He asks is that we be crucified with Him. When we truly see and experience what Jesus has done for us, we will want to give everything to Him. We will want to be crucified with Christ. And the question is, why do we need to be crucified? And I turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. The same author, Paul, discusses the very same concept. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. And the marginal reading for freed from sin is justified. So he that is dead is crucified. <clears throat> Why does the old man need to be crucified? Do you know who the old man is? He's that slave master described in Romans 7 that tries to run your life. He's the one that tries to tell you that if you allow him to be crucified, you won't really be you anymore. You won't have your personality to talk back when someone says the wrong thing to you. i got to show you a thing or two when you cross the line with me. Don't you know who I am? How dare you say that to me? I'll let you know what I'm thinking. You say that to me, I'll say that to you. This is me. Don't mess with me. He's the one who tells you that you won't 
get to enjoy that food that just tastes so good, but you know it's not healthy for you. He's the one who tries to tell you that you'll never find a guy if you, if you dress like a Christian. And you know he tells you that. Yet, when we see Christ on the cross, and when we see how he gave up everything, our hearts melt and we say, Christ, I'll give you anything in my life. We won't be saying, Lord, I'll give you everything but that one thing that I just really love. No. We see Christ on the cross and we say, I will give my life to you completely. Because when we aren't crucified, we may say, I love Jesus. I'm thankful that he died for me, but I'm going to allow the old man to still be alive and well in my life. And when that happens, Romans 7 verse 14 kicks in and it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, meaning I am a slave to sin or to that old man who is my slave master. And when he is the slave master of my life, notice what verses 15 and 16 say. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I, if then I consent, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. It is the slave master of sin who ru ruins and rules your life. He tells you, don't surrender your life to Jesus. You can mentally assent to the truth. In essence, like the Judaizers of old, he says, you can just do the outward act. Just come to church Act like you're a Christian, but allow me to run your life and you'll really have a good time. But Christ says, no, be crucified with me. So that when I am crucified with Christ, we will have the experience that says, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now how many of you would like to have Christ living in your life? If Christ is living in your life, are you going to have the Romans 7 experience of not doing the things you want to do and doing the things you don't want to do? No. Christ now lives in you. The old man of sin has been crucified. And so Christ lives out his life through his church. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing if each one of us here at Aruka allowed Christ to live out his life through us. Do you realize that's the essence of the gospel? The essence of the gospel, just as Christ hanging on the cross was the gospel, when we are crucified with Christ, we will be a witness or a demonstration of the gospel. <clears throat> Wives, how would you like to have your husband as a living demonstration of the life of Christ and how he treats you? Husbands, how would you like to have your wives as a living demonstration of the life of Christ? Can you imagine what our home lives would be like in the church if husbands and wife and children allowed Christ to come in as we are crucified with Christ so that we learn to love each other the way Christ loves us? 
Wouldn't that be a powerful experience? You know, this is not a fairy tale. This is what Christ designs for each of us in our homes to be experiencing. It's also what he designs for the church to experience when we come to board meetings and other types of meetings, elders meetings, deacons meetings, and so forth, so that when we are crucified with Christ, we demonstrate his character when we are tested. This is the one who went through Gethsemane and the cross saying, not my will, but thine be done. How can I live this way? You know, it says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What is the faith of the Son of God? It's the faith of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that when you surrender your life to Jesus completely, Christ comes into your life, and when you are surrendered to him, you have now given him permission to live out his life through you so that when faith is required, faith is exercised, and Christ is exercising his faith through us. The faith of Jesus Christ. And his faith brings omnipotent power. Amen? So why do we fail? Why do we come short of this experience? I'm going to go back to this quote, and I'm coming down to my last few minutes here. <clears throat> after Ellen White talks about being crucified with Christ, after she talks about how we need men and women that live this way before the church's light can shine forth to the world in clear, distinct rays, she says, Our views of the Son of Righteousness are clouded by self-seeking. Christ is crucified afresh and put to open shame by many who have a wide experience and upon whom have rested important responsibilities. Through self-indulgence, Satan gains control over heart, mind, soul, and strength. So notice this. It's through self-indulgence that we lose this experience of being crucified with Christ. When we are crucified with Christ, Christ gives us the victory over the things that we once used to indulge in. But Satan tries to convince us that when we indulge in the things that we enjoy while living a life of sin, that we will really have a better life. What happens is our view of Christ is clouded. We start to fail seeing him on the cross crucified for us and well may Galatians 3 apply to us where Paul could say oh foolish Christians or oh foolish Seventh-day Adventists who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you so what happens when we live to please our flesh or indulge self rather than follow Christ. Notice what Galatians 5, which is in the very same book, says. Starting in verse 17, Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh 
lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. And you know, in God's church, there is way too much adultery going on. That should never happen in God's church. Fornication, again, that should never happen in God's church. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Do we hate fellow brothers and sisters in our church? We should never allow that to happen if we are crucified with Christ. We will love our enemies, amen? There is variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are people who have not been crucified with Christ. And don't let anyone ever tell you that if you live according to the flesh, as described in Galatians 5, that you can inherit the kingdom of God. No, you can't. Scripture is too clear. What does it look like, though, to be crucified with Christ? Notice what Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 say. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And you know, in our churches, we need more love. We need more joy and peace and patience and gentleness and faith. And then the very next verse ties it all together, which says in verse 24, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we are Christ's, if we are Christians, by the grace of God, we will crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts. We will no longer allow the carnal nature driven by appetites and passions to dictate how we live our lives so that when people offend us, we will not fight back in the way the devil would have us to fight back. We would respond with the Spirit of Christ. When we are tempted to follow the lust of the flesh and to do things that we know go clearly contrary to Scripture, we will say, no, I am crucified with Christ. It's not I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And we will say, as Paul says in Galatians 6, verses 14 and 15, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Christ is looking for new creatures who have been crucified with Christ, which is why Christ says to us in Matthew 16, 24, if any man will follow me, let him come after me and take up his cross daily, deny himself and follow me. It's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he says, I die daily. In other words, I am crucified with Christ every day. You know, if we are going to preach the cross of Christ with power, if we are going to preach the everlasting gospel with power, we need to be crucified with Christ first. 
And if we have been crucified with Christ, we will have a message to give to the world of Christ and Him crucified because we are a demonstration of having been crucified with Christ. Not only will we say Christ died for you, but we can say we have been crucified with Him. And so they will not only see the love of Christ on the cross, they will see the love of Christ and the life of Christ in us. And that is what God is looking for today. You know, in the message to the last day church, Christ stands at the door knocking saying, let me come in. You know what the problem with Laodicea is? Laodicea thinks that it has the Christian experience but Christ is on the outside of its heart. Laodicea has not been crucified with Christ. We're like the Galatians of old who think we can just make an outward appearance of being Christian without being crucified with Christ completely. And Christ is standing, knocking on the door of our hearts saying, let me come in and be crucified with me so that I can live out my life through you so that you in the last day church living in the judgment hour will be a living demonstration of the life of Christ. And Christ gives us a message, again through Ellen White, Review and Herald, April 21, 1891. The latter rain is to fall upon the people of God. A mighty angel is to come down from heaven, and the whole earth is to be lighted with his glory. Are we ready to take part in the glorious work of the third angel? Are we? Are our vessels ready to receive the heavenly dew? Have we defilement and sin in the heart? If so, let us cleanse the soul temple and prepare for the showers of the latter rain. The refreshing from the presence of the Lord will never come to hearts filled with impurity. And notice this. May God help us to die to self or to be crucified with Christ that Christ the hope of glory may be formed within. Do you see what Ellen White does here? She equates dying to self with the glorious work of the third angel. And when we are crucified with Christ, Christ lives in us. We live by the faith of Jesus Christ. And that is the third angel's message of Revelation 14.12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. God's last day, Adventist people are going to be a living demonstration of those who have died to self, those who have been crucified with Christ, those who have Christ living in them, those who have the faith of Jesus. And the world is longing for such a demonstration as we see the lost sin-sick world dying around us. Christ is knocking on the door of our hearts today saying, let me come in. And you are sitting here today hearing the voice of God speak to you and Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today saying, let me come in. And the old man of sin is screaming in the other ear, no, don't let Jesus come in. Don't be crucified with Christ. You won't be you anymore. And Christ is saying, no, let me come in so that you can have a peace that passes understanding, so that you can be a demonstration of the life of Christ here on this earth. Jesus loves you. He gave himself for you.
How can you turn away from such love? And there may, may be some of you here today that you are hearing the voice of Christ speaking to you. You know that you have not been crucified with Christ. You know that at home or at work, that whenever you are tempted, whenever you are crossed, rather than looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith on the cross, rather than beholding the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, rather than being crucified with Christ and allowing Christ to speak through you when tempted, you have allowed the old man of sin to flash forth and to wrongly represent God's character. And you are convicted today that you want to surrender your life completely, 100% to Christ. You know the doctrines. You know the Sabbath. You know the cross. You know the other teachings of the church. But you need the experience of Jesus in your heart of Jesus living out His life through you. And you want to say, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that I will live crucified with Christ from now until Jesus comes so that when Christ pours out His latter rain upon His people, I will be among those who are a demonstration of His character. Those of you who want that experience, I invite you to stand with me at this time. Amen. I invite you to stand, and we are going to have a special prayer before we have our closing hymn. Father in heaven, you see the people who are standing today. Not everyone is standing, but many are standing here today. And I thank you for those who are deciding to surrender our hearts 100% to you. And Lord, you know that I need this message as much as anybody else here in this room. And I know that each one of us here today needs this message. Help us to be surrendered to you completely. We ask forgiveness for being in a Laodicean condition, of being satisfied with a lukewarm condition without being crucified with Christ without experiencing the power of the love of Christ in our hearts on a daily basis. And I pray today that each one of us, as we make this commitment, that it will be sustained, that we will be surrendered, that we will spend time in the Word, that we will spend that thoughtful hour each day with the Lord, contemplating the closing scenes of Christ's life, so that when we are tempted to give in, so that when we are tempted to give up, we will see Christ on the cross for us, and our hearts will be melted, so that we will stay on the straight and narrow path. Lord, we thank you for the power of the third angel's message of Christ and Him crucified. May we be living demonstrations of a crucified and risen Savior. May we demonstrate the matchless charms of Christ who has loved us and given himself for us so that when people see us, they will say, the Aruka Church has been with Jesus. We pray all these things in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.